0: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on
1: your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator, and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles.
2: Thank you, Scott Slade. You know what? It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, to use technology wisely, and to live a more sustainable life. Hey, I'm your host, Tim Eccles. I'm vice chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission. Work down at the Capitol. We do this show all around Georgia and on just about every place that you get your podcast. Just ask your search engine to grab Energy Matters with Commissioner Eccles and listen to it anywhere. Hey, today we're gonna be talking energy efficiency and I've got with me Jeff Smith who works with Georgia Power. Jeff you've been on the show before but I'm having you back because energy efficiency really is the first thing people should should think about when they want to save money on their power bill right? Yeah that's that's right
3: Commissioner Eccles Um, and there's a lot of easy and efficient ways to do it and reduce your overall monthly energy usage and your monthly energy costs and keep a little more money in your pocket.
2: You know folks, you are out there spending money at Lowe's and Home Depot and I just want to encourage you that that you need to you need to have an energy audit done on your house and just take a look and see how much insulation you have in your attic, if you've got any leaky places because that money you spend on insulation is going to save you money every single month. It is it is, Jeff, isn't it the the, the low-hanging fruit for energy efficiency?
3: That's right. There are a lot of options, a lot of opportunities that you can walk around your house, identify things as easy as putting in LED light bulbs, changing your filters. Uh, Things just that simple can really help reduce your energy usage. And then there are larger items like attic insulation and duct sealing uh, that that you can do that save even more.
2: Before we get into all that, Jeff, you grew up in Fayetteville, Georgia, Fayette County, and I grew up in Riverdale in Clayton County, really just up the road from you on... Georgia eighty five, and Jeff, I remember applying to work at the Riverdale Dairy Queen, and when I when I was fifteen, um, they never called me back, and I wound up going to work at my family's car auction, starting my own car cleanup shop, working up there in Atlanta on Stewart Avenue. It was a dangerous place. My mother was concerned uh, about all the time that I spent up there, but my granddad was there, and my uncles were there. My granddad really had a lot of influence on me his work ethic he only had an eighth grade education but the man was savvy he he was wise he he he, he was generous uh, I learned that at his funeral as as you know folks that had worked for him came by I was standing there with my grandmother during the wake and just heard just person after person talk about how Mr. Ed had that's what they called him how generous he had been, how had given them money for this or helped them when they had a difficulty. You were impacted by your granddad, too, growing up, right? That's right. Yeah, my grandfather
3: uh, and I spent a lot of time together. He was a builder in Fayette County, uh, built lots of single-family homes around there, and I spent a lot of time working with him. And so, you know, a lot of what I learned from him was value and hard work, and, you you know, you honor what you say you're going to do, and you do the best you can at anything you do. So, yeah, he had an amazing impact on me, and I'm thankful almost every day that that I had that time with him. So.
2: You know, one of the things that you did uh, as as a, a younger man was to build greenhouses. And how old were you when you were doing that? And what did what did that involve? Yeah, I was um, 14 or 15 years old when I started doing that.
3: Uh, I was with a local florist in Fayetteville, uh, and we would wake up really early. Uh, we would get up at four four thirty in the morning. Um, drive to wherever we were building greenhouses that day uh, and and just spend a lot of time in vacant areas building greenhouses to help grow flowers in the area. So it was pretty intensive. Uh, Think about giant erector sets. That's what it was really like putting together.
2: You know, I was trying to help the city of Camilla get a greenhouse, commercial greenhouse, that would grow English cucumbers. Apparently, growing seedless English cucumbers is harder than it looks. And there's a couple of really large greenhouses in America. There's one in Texas, one in Colorado, there's one in Canada. And they were wanting to build one in Camilla. And they said what they needed was access to water. They needed natural gas they needed flat land they needed labor and they needed co2 and we were looking at an ethanol plant where the byproduct was co2 because they were just going to run a pipe straight from the ethanol plant over to the greenhouse because as it it turns out plants really like co2 jeff
3: yeah i mean if you've got it available and it's going to help grow them then by all means if you can get something like that as a byproduct and use it in something close by, that's a, a great opportunity for something on that field.
2: You know, Jeff, I think about how smart everything's getting. I mean, we had a dairy farm down there in McDonough, and we milked our cows twice a day. But as, as, as technology has improved with, one, being able to, to determine the precise amount of protein content in feed – Uh, and some other techniques that dairy farmers are using they're actually figuring out how to milk cows three times a day as opposed to two times a day and I know you guys have done a pilot with some greenhouses and I, I find it fascinating because greenhouses do provide you an opportunity to bring fresh food to people at a time maybe when they normally wouldn't be able to get it so that was part of your motivation too right
3: That's right. Um, We've been looking at the emergence of indoor agriculture and what the different benefits of it and what you can do with it. And so we wanted to do a pilot to understand how can you do it and how can you do it efficiently. But one of the primary drivers for us um, from an indoor ag perspective was being able to put greenhouses in areas that are food deserts and getting that fresh fruit food and fresh produce to folks where they are. Um, we were able to learn a lot of benefits on how to do it efficiently by conserving energy with smart technology, smart sensors. But the other benefit, much like your CO two side effect, was we were able to determine that it grows product faster, so you can get more out of a given grow year. Uh, so it was a very interesting pilot for
2: for multiple reasons. Jeff, you may remember that. Um Southern Current, EDF, Darien Telephone, Georgia Power, uh, Georgia Large Scale Solar Association helped me build a solar pavilion on Sapelo Island down in McIntosh County that serves the Gullah Geechee community and Hog Hammock. You may have heard of it. You have to go by boat to get there. But one of the cool things that I noticed as we were there doing the ribbon cutting on the weekend as I was just biking around this remote island was that rj reynolds who had built a mansion there and who actually owned the island at one time had these incredible greenhouses and the the skeleton of the greenhouse is still there the cement pad the, the the steel framing some of the glass is still there but you know i thought as i saw that man wouldn't this be a cool project to pull pull together some of the locals and to help them grow a crop, a plant, something that that could provide money for the Hog Hammock community just seemed like too big a task for me to accomplish. But wouldn't that be cool to take an old greenhouse that had been majestic at one time and refurbish it and – and use it to essentially uh, to help folks who may be in a food desert. And I would suggest to you that Sapelo Island is a desert island uh, in and of itself.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at what goes on in some of the, the neighborhoods in and around Atlanta where they're doing community gardens and helping folks that are in need in those communities, then being able to do it in an environment like you're referring to and tying a historical Um, building and and bringing in a current use for it i think that's a a very neat concept
2: hey maybe you want to help me maybe you want to help me pull off something like this at Sapelo. another project i love doing these charity projects i'm building a solar pavilion helping the marine science center on tybee build a solar pavilion now for kids to be up under when they go to study at the marine science center and we are teeing up another boardwalk for the fresh air children's home on tybee to be able to to redo this dilapidated boardwalk that these kids who come for a 10-day free camp on Tybee will be able to get to the beach without stepping over wood, you know, that has nails in it and all, all of this. So a lot of opportunity for us to to do some community service out there and really benefit people. Jeff, um, as you think about some of the other lessons that you've learned, you know, through this greenhouse project, I mean, we talked about being able to save energy with a schedule, and, I mean, the, the technology, the smartness of this stuff enables us just to be more efficient.
3: Yeah, that's right. It's, it's been very, um, very interesting over the last 10 years to see how advanced smart devices are becoming, how um, cheap controls are becoming. I mean, it used to be if you wanted to do something from a smart technology, there was a substantial amount of cost to get the benefit from it but as we're seeing technology drop and drop and drop and the cost associated with it going down, uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish now through automated devices and smart technology. Uh, We're seeing some of that too in your homes. I mean, you think about thermostats. Smart thermostats, you know, originally were several hundred dollars and really all you could do was build in, on Monday I want it to run this amount, on Tuesday I want it to run here. Now they're sensing your presence. They're helping you figure out what the most energy-efficient temperature is for you and what the most efficient schedule is. And beyond that, the cost is dropping down to where you can get some of these devices, these thermostats, for under $100 now.
2: When we come back, I want to talk to Jeff about this temp check program that he oversees at Georgia Power. He's the energy efficiency strategy manager for Georgia Power. Uh, I want to talk about demand response, Jeff, what that is. Uh, what what should be the consumer's strategy on all of this as you try to save money on that power bill? I'm at Tim Eccles on Twitter. The show's it Matters Radio. Stick around. We're going to bring Jeff Smith Smith back for one more segment and talk about how you can save money on your power bill. You're listening to Energy Matters.
1: Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth, the difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not for profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC.
2: but how we thank john gornall and all the attorneys and staff at agg for sponsoring our show hey welcome back to energy matters i'm tim Eccles, your host i'm on the georgia public service commission always at your service. And today on Energy Matters, we've got Jeff Smith. He's the Energy Efficiency Strategy Manager for Georgia Power. And Jeff, as we think about ways for people to save money on their home, I mean, folks are out there building their ports, they're they're putting flowers in, they're, you know, they're redoing their kitchen, a lot of stuff going on during the pandemic. What are some energy efficiency tips that you would have for our listeners? Sure. Uh, There are a lot of easy,
3: low-cost tips that that customers can do to reduce their energy bill. Uh, You know, one of those is is we're coming into the summer is cooking outside, grilling. We in the South all love to grill, love to barbecue. Uh, And if you're cooking outside, you're keeping that heat out of your home, and you're not having to then run your air conditioner to
2: cool the house back down. Okay, so my favorite thing that my family likes for me to cook, I go to Sam's, and I get their skinless salmon um it's in their you know refrigerated uh, cooler section in the back not frozen but it's fresh and they have this korean barbecue sauce that's got some teriyaki got some soy i don't know what else it's got but i marinate this salmon in a like in a one gallon ziploc bag for 24 hours i put it on my top rack on my on my gas grill and i cook it I i never really put it down on that direct heat i keep it up there so it doesn't stick uh and my girls and, da- and wife love this. It's, it's absolutely the favorite thing that I, that I cook for my girls. And then my boys like this Alabama sausage. It's Conica uh, link sausage in Alabama. What's your favorite thing to cook on the grill? Uh, obviously salmon.
3: Our family's a big, big fan of that. But there's also a um, butcher shop not out just far out of Athens that makes the best um, jalapeno and cheese sausage. And to be able to put that on the smoker and let it go – uh, until it's just right that's that's also one of our favorites
2: now it sounds like you're talking about stripling store and so that 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 is a link sausage or is that the or is that the ground sausage
3: we do the link we get the about the one foot coils of those and uh, smoke up the links and cut them up and put toothpicks in them they make a great appetizer
2: well, i got to try that okay let's get back to our energy efficiency saving tips because i'm gaining weight just thinking about this
3: yeah, uh, sure. So again, as we get ready to come out of winter and into summer, you know, the other things that you can easily do is, is make sure your furniture is not covering your supply registers where your cold air blows out or the return registers where the air gets drawn back into your system. Uh, furniture blocking those really messes up the airflow in your house and you get hot spots and cold spots
2: let me ask you you know sometimes i will take a vacuum cleaner uh, my vacuum cleaner put the hose in and the horsehair brush and vacuum the the dust that's on that return would you suggest that folks get ducks cleaned is that a gimmick or is that a real thing so it it can be a a real thing uh, depending on how old your
3: duck system is how many pets you've got how much um, dander you may have had over the years getting them clean can help. Another thing that can help is having that heating and air professional also clean the coil on your indoor air handler. Uh, that same dander hits that really cold wet surface and it stops it up. And so being able to have your coils cleaned every two or three years can be very helpful in reducing the amount of energy your AC uses.
2: So the coils are they in the interior unit mines in the in my attic so, would i just would i need to ask them to do that when they serviced it or is that something they automatically do
3: for for most dealers it's an additional um, service beyond the the annual service and it is wherever your filter is it's usually really close to that where the indoor unit is or the air handler Um, and it's on the top of that or on the side of it it's a very easy thing for them to clean and it can really increase your comfort and reduce your energy all right what else um, caulking and weather stripping, that's something that you need to check every year. Um, you know, most of the houses in and around Georgia have been around for years. And caulking, as it expands and contracts in the hot and cold weather, um, eventually cracks and it needs to be removed and reapplied. So look at, around your windows and doors and see if your caulking is cracking. Also, at your doors, check the weather stripping, that foam that your door closes against. If it's not getting a good tight seal or you can see light around it, that, that weather stripping needs to be replaced. And those are low cost um, items that can really help add up the amount of money.
2: So will an HVAC person do that kind of thing for you or do you have to have a different contractor or you just have to try to do it yourself? So a lot of it you can do yourself if you're comfortable in,
3: you know, with handyman type of work. If not, looking for a handy person uh, in your area that can help do some of that work for you is usually an easy way to do it. Um, you know, Caulking, weather stripping, that type of stuff is readily available at hardware stores uh, and, and for the most part can be done in a weekend. Um, but if you're not comfortable doing that type of work yourself – definitely reach out to um, a handy person in your community and see if they're willing to do it for you. All right. What else? Um, Check your insulation. If you're you're up in your attic, look and see how much insulation you have. Uh, Take a a tape measure or, or a ruler. And if you've got two or three inches of insulation, you don't have enough. You should have somewhere between 10 and 12 inches at least to make sure your attic is properly insulated. Again, that's a type of improvement you can do yourself if you're comfortable but there are plenty of insulation contractors around the state that would be happy to help you do it as well if you're not
2: this fresh air home children's home that I was telling you about this is uh, basically a summer camp for for poor kids they don't have to pay anything to come to the camp they uh, they had me take a look at their power bill and they told me that they were in a 1929 building and it had no insulation in the top and so that's something we're we're going to work to help them get insulation but no insulation that seems like you're just throwing money away it is it's it's usually a very easy fix for most
3: homes to add insulation if they don't have any or have an adequate amount it will usually pay for itself in one to two years in energy savings so, if you don't have enough, I would highly suggest you uh, look at adding that to your home.
2: You know, some of our older customers may have participated a long time ago in in that air-conditioned program where your air was turned on and off by a cell phone signal or something like that. You've got a very fancy version of that program now that's much smarter. Tell me about the old program and how the new program is different.
3: Sure. So we, for years, have had a program uh, called Power Credit, and it controls your outdoor air conditioning unit. And when there is a need for, to, to reduce energy usage, customers that had chosen to participate would have a device put on their air conditioner. And we would send a signal to it that said, hey, shut the air conditioner down during this period of time uh, and, and we would be able to shift that energy that, that we had c- talked with that customer about. Um, the downside of that program was at the time it was the best available option. But when you turn somebody's air conditioner off in the summer in Georgia, uh, it, can, it can start to get hot and can get uncomfortable in that home. Uh, so we looked for what are some options, what are some other opportunities, and we found a program that we call Temp Check. And it's using these smart thermostats that can be controlled remotely, but not impact the customer's comfort. It has the ability, if in the summer we know we're going to need to shift some load in the middle of the day, we can actually pre-cool that house. Um, Then when the need is there, shut the thermostat off or reduce the amount that it runs and let it, that house will ride through because it was pre-cooled and the customer will not become uncomfortable. The other big benefit to it is it allows us to do that same thing in the winter. Um, Our older program was a summer-only program, so if we needed to shift load or shift um, the energy demand at any given point, we couldn't do that in the winter. This program allows us to do both seasons, And, and the same thing, we can preheat the home so the customer doesn't notice that the thermostat's being Um, shut off or or reduced in its usage, and they stay comfortable in their home and help Georgia meet their energy needs.
2: You warn the customer, right? Right. They get a message, and uh, is there some kind of financial compensation up front on this, or how how does that work?
3: There is an incentive for customers that are wanting to participate in this demand response program. If they already have a thermostat that's able to be controlled, so think about a Nest thermostat, um, Emerson, Sensei thermostat or Ecobee, those really smart thermostats that have the controls in it, if they already have that in their home, then we can give them an incentive of $50 to sign up and be a, a part of this program. If they don't already have one, then they can have a rebate at the time of purchasing one of those thermostats and get enrolled in it, and it reduces their overall cost of the equipment that they're buying. It's easy to sign up for. They do get an incentive for it, And to your point, Commissioner, they do get notified several times in the process. We don't want to surprise anybody. Um, So they get an email the day before we're going to call an event to let them know. It comes on their app on their phone for their thermostat. And it even puts the message on the thermostat. They get a reminder right before we um, call it. And then they get a thank you uh, notice after it's over. And how can a customer sign up for this? So the easiest way is to go to georgiapower.com forward slash save, and they'll see a list of energy efficiency programs and one demand response program called Temp Check. They can click on that Temp Check icon, and it will walk them through the process.
2: Jeff, it's always good to have you on the program, and thanks for all you're doing to help ratepayers save money. Thank you, Commissioner. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. Let me encourage you to also go to georgiapower.com if you're a customer. Sign up for notifications. Get a daily notification about how much energy that you're using. Uh, Get a text message so that you can be a wiser steward of your energy. I think you're going to find out, like our prepaid customers have found out, that if you are, are getting notifications, you're going to take evasive action. You're going to make adjustments on your thermostat and you're going to save more money. So that's what we're all about on Energy Matters. Chemicals for Marlin Gas Services. As the port continues to grow, more and more trucking companies are using natural gas in their trucks instead of diesel. Marlin Gas Services is helping to usher in this clean opportunity. With their specialized rigs, they create virtual pipelines with all the equipment and expertise to provide reliable, clean natural gas. Marlin Gas is the company that gas utilities, pipeline companies, and industrial facilities turn to. See MarlinGas.com for more information.
0: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMW Auto Sales.
1: COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, welcome back to Energy Matters. Tim
2: Eccles, your host here. I'm vice chairman of the Georgia Public Service Commission. Great conversation with Jeff Smith earlier. And georgiapower.com forward slash save is where you find out that information about how to save money on energy efficiency stuff. I've got Herschel Winters with me here. We're sitting at the Beltline uh, doing our
0: interview. Herschel, are you a big fan of the Beltline? huge fan of the Beltline. I live right off of the south side of it, so I get to ride my bike on it with my wife and run with my dog on it a good bit, so it's been a savior during this pandemic time. You know, these guys that are out biking, I'm always
2: careful, you know, uh, to give them room. I know there's a lot of protocol and etiquette. Have you had any close calls on those bikes?
0: (laughs) No, my dog will jump at them occasionally because he gets really excited when they're coming at him. But um, normally with the headphones in, you can get some of those runners with their heads down. You just got to keep a lookout for them. Um, But I haven't had any close calls, thankfully. The scooters are what you have to keep a close eye on because those those guys will come out of nowhere. (laughs) Well, you and
2: I share our UGA uh, lineage, I guess. You were a forestry soil and water uh, undergrad and uh, then you got a master's in natural resource economics so i spent all my time on north campus you were down on south campus how was your time both majors in the forestry school
0: Um, I loved UGA so much. Obviously, like you, I had to stay an extra year, two years uh, because I didn't want to leave. And I also worked for university during my whole time there. So like you, I am embedded in UGA. I love football. Um, I've grown up playing football. And so... Um, staying there as long as I could was um, an ideal situation for me. And also now my family lives there. Um, so it's nice to be able to go back and uh, have a couple of places to stay for the games. And um, I really enjoy going back and, and visiting now.
2: You know, getting to know a lot of forestry guys and working on the biomass stuff that I've done with Georgia Power has has taught me a lot about the forestry business and just how sustainable that industry is in the sense that they use every part of the tree, including the bark, including pecan hulls. I mean, they
0: are not wasteful over there in forestry. That's very true, um, and you can see a lot. We try to implement that in renewable energy. Um, you'll see that now a lot of solar panels are trying to become more recyclable. Right now, I think First Solar has a solar panel that's ninety-five percent recyclable right now. Um, and, the, and the really the goal is to look at this life cycle analysis of all of everything that we do in our daily lives. Um, and so forestry has been doing that for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's been Germany was doing this thousands of years ago in the forestry industry Um, so they have been able to really hone in on on how to sustainably grow a forest to cut the trees use every part of a tree Um, and I think that's a a goal and a a aim that we need to have for the renewable industry industry as well. Sustainability is
2: all the rage in fact we're sitting here on the Beltline folks you guys are hearing noise you're hearing trucks back up you're hearing you're hearing uh, scooters you're hearing all different kinds of uh, things out here on the Beltline but they've essentially recycled a train track. I mean, that's what was here. It was a a train bed, the old recycled Sears building. And the Public Service Commission, as folks may, may or may not know, you've heard me talk about it, was originally the Railroad Commission, 1879. So we had a lot to do with the regulation of railroads, but how cool is it? The way that they've taken essentially an old
0: right of way, a rail right of way that wasn't being used, and made it one of the most popular things in Atlanta. It's always interesting to me. When I was at the University of Georgia, I mentioned I worked for them while I was in school there, and I worked for um, a small department within the Department of Economic Development. And to me, it was always so interesting how sustainability and economic development were intertwined with one another um you'll see and you mentioned um your your last guest at georgia power georgia powers economic development department has done an incredible job along with the state of georgia's on finding ways to bring new and innovative companies to georgia that promote renewable energy and just bring jobs to the to the georgia public so um i have always found that uh, it's very interesting how um, economic development and sustainability can go hand in hand like that.
2: You know, one of your first jobs was helping uh, companies in Atlanta have a zero landfill policy. and. Uh, having gone to Japan and worked with a lot of Japanese companies, I know that Japanese companies care deeply about this because they hate landfills, they hate trash, they don't even have trash cans in Tokyo. I asked my guest, what do you do with your trash? He said, I put it in my backpack and I take it home. Uh, So, I mean, that's that's an incredible commitment to not putting something in a trash can, how difficult was it to work with a company to create
0: and achieve a zero landfill policy? It can start off as difficult, but when a lot of the employees see that it is coming from a top-down approach, that the CEO himself wants to make drive a change in the company, make himself more sustainable, um, the companies will start following that approach. Um, you'll see that sometimes it, it, it boils down to a lot of the times you'll see in your local areas, um, most. Some, some local areas don't uh, recycle as much, and that's just due to a policy in that area. It is not a priority of—if it's not a priority of the people, um, then the poli- then their, their elected officials aren't going to vote for it, um, and it's never going to roll downhill like that. Um, so when you see a top-down approach, when it's, when it's important to the leadership or when the people make, up, make enough um, press about it uh, that they want renewable energy or they want recycling, um, it'll follow. Yeah, it
2: really requires some participation. You know, it it needs to be something people get excited about. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Herschel Winters, and he worked for Radiance Solar. We are eventually going to get to solar, but we're kind of just taking you through the evolution of sustainability in in his own life you know, having helped companies in Atlanta achieve a zero landfill policy, you know, I have to give a shout out here to Cox Enterprises. Cox Media Group is where we do our show. Cox Enterprises, they aren't, you know, braggadocious about it, but they really do a fantastic job when it comes to sustainability. I mean, they have a zero landfill policy at their corporate headquarters in Sandy Springs, for goodness sake. So if you can do it there,
0: probably anybody can do it. I agree, um, and I've worked with, as you mentioned, uh, one of my first jobs out of college was helping um, RICO facilities, the copy manufacturer up in, in Lawrenceville, have a zero landfill um, facility. Um, and I think you will start seeing this more around the state of Georgia. Um, and As I just mentioned, it, it's all about when a company finds this valuable. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of Japanese companies, with our great strides in economic development in the state, we're having a lot of Japanese companies move here. Um, and I think we'll start seeing an uptick in that the companies that value that recyclable chain um, and value that the the capability of being able to have zero landfill facilities in Georgia and, and at the moment uh, I know that um, some of these facilities you know if you have to burn it uh, if you have to burn your waste energy you have to ship that to um, Alabama or something like that so um, having the capability to do that in Georgia would be very valuable for these these new corporations moving here
2: yeah if you want to see the article I wrote about my trip to Japan just Google Tim Eccles and Japan I think it was called Hygiene. Robots and fancy toilets, um, and uh, I'll just leave it with 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 that, folks, for you to be able to check it out. So, Herschel, you went from this zero landfill, um, you know, job and helping companies achieve it to working for our friends over at Sterling Planet. You were involved with RECs or renewable energy credits or renewable energy certificates and carbon offset trading. And tell me if you're seeing this as well now, companies that I meet with, like Microsoft and others, these large companies, they don't want just the paper anymore. They want the actual asset somewhere near... Their facility, so that they can point to it and say, "We have real renewable
0: energy." Are you seeing that as well? I'm seeing that, and, and I agree. When I when I got into recs and carbon offsets in, in 2015, I, I feel like that was the tip, the top of the mountain for the rec and carbon offset market. Um, you saw um, a trend start downward there, kind of shortly after mid 2015, um, where, like you said, a lot uh, the the price of solar was coming down so much that a lot of the top rec procurement. Um, companies out there, um, you might think of the big tech companies started saying, "Well, we have enough money. Why can't we just build solar and own it ourselves?" Um, I so the trend. Um, With the RECs and carbon offsets has been tailing off. There are some markets um, such as PJM and New England ISO where um, you have a secondary market where these uh, these RECs and carbon offsets are traded at a higher value than just your standard national cap and trade system market. Um, So up there, a REC might have a value. I know in Washington DC, a REC can have a value of three hundred dollars a REC, where one in Georgia might have. A value of thirty cents. Um, so you see a drastic change in the rec market from that front. But um, I think you also are starting to see corporations, like you said, want to own um, their own their own um, assets as close to their facilities as possible. Um, you are so you are also seeing companies want to take big chunks out of their sustainability goals, um, and that's what they're capable. Amazon, Microsoft, that's what these guys are capable capable of doing with big virtual PPAs in Texas when they have a three hundred megawatt wind facility. Um, and although that that facility might not be powering them directly um, they are able to ca- claim those wrecks and carbon offsets from that facility um, and i think where you start seeing a trend um, evolve even a little bit more from um, where they were originally buying wrecks and carbon offsets to building these large facilities taking huge chunks out of their sustainability goal to start to see more um, on-site energy um, i think you get the most value for from solar and from renewable energy when you offset at your facility um, and i feel like that's where a lot of the Walmarts, they put a lot of downward pressure on their logistics chain saying, hey, we're going green. We need you guys to go green, too. So I think you'll start seeing it at these local facilities a lot more um, as the pressure comes from the top, from these top um, distributors. When
2: we come back in, in, our, in our final segment today, we're going to talk about your experience at Southern Power involved with acquisitions and your experience at Radiance. But I'll just say this about about these big tech companies. I met the other day with an Amazon guy who said that they want to have 50 Rivian electric vans at each of their facilities. Well, that's an additional five megawatts of load, right? So if they're adding all this load, right, and they're wanting to go net zero, that means I think they are going to have to do some solar to be able to offset that because these electric vehicles are going to bring a higher demand. Hey, stick around. Um, I'll bring Herschel, winter's back and we'll talk more about solar, how it's impacted his life and how it might impact yours. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your one, two or five dollar checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking ProjectShareInfo.com. And thank you. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev hybrid.com to see the ever changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev hybrid.com. EV hybrid.com
1: this segment of energy matters is sponsored by hall booth smith this law firm works with over 88 fortune 500 companies and they have offices from brunswick to athens tifton to columbus and of course atlanta we'd like to thank hall booth smith for the great work they do with school boards hospitals cities and counties all over our state see more at hallboothsmith.com. Hey, it's Tim Eccles
2: back on Energy Matters. I'm a vice chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission. And with me, the famous UGA Herschel, actually Winters, Herschel Winters. Hey, you know, with a name like Herschel, I mean 34 has to be your favorite number, I would think Herschel Winters, but uh, did anyone ever give you a hard time about having the name Herschel while you're at UGA?
0: Yeah, and, and actually my football number was 34, and my, my Herschel is spelled a little different um, because I am a third, so it is a family name. But um, everybody in the state of Georgia thinks that you're named after Herschel Walker when your name is Herschel um, for obvious reasons. But uh, when I worked at the university, my boss's favorite joke to play on all the friends or her friends at the university, which she would tell, um, she would call them and say, hey, I'm sending Herschel over to get some paperwork for for, for me Um, and everybody would get all excited and I would show up and they'd be like you're not Herschel and I'm sorry no I'm not I'm not the Herschel you thought was going to show up at UGA
2: I was at Georgia from 78 to 82, and I did get the opportunity to watch Herschel run over people, and it was like just every week. Uh, that was back when student tickets were a dollar. I lived in the Reed dorm directly behind the stadium. I literally stepped out of my bottom floor of my dorm right over into the student gate uh, to get in, so good times at, at the university, plus i met my my wife Wendy of 38 years there so it was uh, such a blessing hey uh, Herschel Winters with me on this segment in this half of the show we talked in the last segment about how in his early part of his career he helped companies achieve a a zero landfill policy worked for Sterling Planet our folks that uh, are up in Alpharetta now um, and uh, doing recs and carbon offset trading and then you went to Southern Power which is um, which is the stepsister of the uh, uh, of Georgia Power, and the I guess the child uh, of of
0: the Southern Company, or, or is there another way to better describe it? Um, it was the darling child there for a moment of, of Southern Company when we could invest a lot of money. Um, but um, it, it goes up and down, as the solar coaster does always go up and down, as you always hear. Um, but, yeah, we, we were the deregulated arm of Southern Company. Um, so that meant that we were able to go out and uh, build um, and procure uh energy in different states um, my group mainly concentrated on the western part of the u.s so that was everything left of texas um, we had a small we, we were in still based here in atlanta so we had a small group of three guys handling everything left of texas so that was a lot of utilities as you can imagine um, but at southern power we um, were really an acquisition shop to start off with mainly because i mentioned we had a we had a lot of money and southern company had a lot of tax appetite So we were going out and acquiring these large 100, 200, 300 megawatt solar facilities out in Arizona, California, um, that had great um, return metrics because of the energy market in California. Um, And I think that um, actually helped Southern Company and Georgia Power in general get more comfortable with solar in the state of Georgia because they were able to see how solar worked, and we were able to get our our feet wet in California in that area um, well before we started building solar in Georgia. I believe Southern Power's first solar project was in 2011 in Nevada um, that was um, in in collaboration with Ted Turner um, that, that we put on one of his ranches out there. Um, so Southern Southern Company has been doing um, solar for a long time, um, and now I'm glad to see it taking a foot in the southeast. You know, Bubba McDonald and I are on the commission together. We both went to Germany
2: in 2012, came back, you know, from that experience feeling like, hey, I think we can do solar, but we're not going to do it in the same way. Georgia Power, at least in 2013, did not have the appetite to do solar, um, but... I think we gave them some uh, some salt or something uh, because we we did require them uh, to start down that learning curve with Commissioner McDonald's motion of 525 megawatts. And my theory was once they start down that road, they're going to learn. They're going to learn quickly and they're going to figure out how to do
0: it and how to make money at it. And that's exactly what's happened. Agreed, and and to Southern Company's credit, they are um, they're a conservative company, and and you I wouldn't have it any other way. I have some money invested in them, and my grandparents have money invested in them. Um, that's why their utility they they give you great returns, and uh, you, they don't do anything risky. That's why people and uh, people invest their mutual funds with them, and so um, that's why i they they've always said it at Southern Company they would like to be fast followers, and I think they did a very good job um, at Georgia Power, especially of being fast followers in the solar space. Um, as I mentioned, Southern Power. Or dip their toe for Southern Company into that solar space. We learned how the contracts were set up and everything out West, how the utilities out West were, were structuring these contracts and, and brought that those lessons back home.
2: You know, a, a lot of people have asked me about our price for solar, uh, you know, being below avoided cost for large scale solar. And, and why can't we be more like California? And the more you learn about California, and for example, they've had large utilities go bankrupt out there. Uh, and, if you, are, if you go bankrupt and you've got PPAs with people, well, guess what happens to those contracts? Those things aren't, you got to renegotiate those. And so here we're giving 20, 25, 30-year contracts for PPAs. Folks aren't worried about Southern Company or Georgia Power going bankrupt. But yet these California companies only giving five-year contracts and their utility goes bankrupt. So there's, there's really more
0: more to see here isn't it i I agree um i think georgia power has done an incredible job of embracing solar as you mentioned and it's really on the the heels of the public service commission's um, ask for them to start looking at this more deeply um they they've done it we've expanded um you know the large-scale solar in South Georgia a lot, Mitchell County, Taylor County, those large 200 megawatt facilities down there. Um, and with this net metering program, they're starting to open up, and you're starting to see a lot more of commercial and industrial customers. And um, in the space that I I feel like is the most prevalent. And we'll we'll take it back to my my forestry roots a little bit. I I, I dislike cutting down trees to build solar. Um, it may seem counterintuitive, and it, I don't want it to sound like a hippie uh, hippie that much. But um, I feel like there's enough space out there with rooftops that we have in Atlanta and just open and landfills open spaces that we currently have brownfields that um, there are areas to put solar and be strategic about it to help develop this state um, help develop the state's goals um, with solar more but what do you say to the Twiggs County
2: Board of Commissioners or the Taylor County Board of Commissioners counties that are very poor that have one school, one high school, they they don't hardly have any business and they get this thousand acre solar array this 500 acre solar array that becomes half of their tax digest so if the solar array would have gone to buckhead on top of warehouses or you know or, or near savannah you know on top of a distribution center or distribution centers instead of mm-hmm. twigs county or taylor county wouldn't those
0: counties affected be worse off Agreed, I, and that the the area of pivoting towards more of the rooftop solar was less about thinking on um, an economic development front for those counties, because I think these the solar developing solar can be a huge tool, uh, tax tool for these poorer counties in South Georgia. Um, but a lot of what you face um, in South Georgia is the nimbyism, uh, the not in my backyard, even if. Um, you have these poor counties. Um, my wife, uh, for instance, is from Cordell, uh, Georgia, and south, um, you know, just north of Tipton. And every time I go down there, her relatives are like, Did you hear about the big solar facility going in and, you know, five miles away? And they have so many town meetings on those. Um, and I feel like you just see that, that when I say NIMBYism, it's called not in my backyard. Um, and you see a lot of that when you're building these large scale um solar facilities and like I said I hate I hate to see trees being cut down um and watersheds being affected um just to build these large scale solar facilities um it's not and sometimes you can go on um you know repurpose farmland pecan um pecan um, fields um that that makes sense for solar but um, those, those counties where this can be a big tax play, I, I feel like it's, it's huge for there. Um, but I, I'm looking at more of a perspective of um, less carbon footprint on, on what we're building, which is already building on existing facilities, uh, existing buildings that we have now. Yeah, in our final couple of minutes, let's
2: talk about net metering and how it's positively impacting not just rooftop solar, y'all don't do that much rooftop at Radiance, but let's talk about commercial buildings that can benefit and how much solar they can put on and still qualify for net metering.
0: Yeah. So as mentioned, Georgia Power and the Public Service Commission has done a great job of opening up uh, the commercial solar space um, for the solar developers in Georgia. And that happened really through this um, one-to-one net metering, monthly net metering metering policy for Georgia Power uh, customers. And that's where... Co- co- um, Commercial and industrial clients uh, can build up to 250 megawatts to offset really 100% of their energy. Um, and what one-to-one net metering means for, for some of those listeners that, that don't know, it just means that um, on a monthly basis, Georgia Power come out and say, okay, you produce this much solar and you use this much. Uh, it used to be they would look at it um, on a real-time basis, but now they look at it monthly, which allows you to overbuild your solar um, and bank those credits um, for later use. And a shout out to James Marlowe,
2: one of the co-founders of Radiance, who actually was at the right place at the right time and asked me once again in 2019 to consider monthly netting. And we tried it again and we were able to accomplish it.
0: Yeah, James has been trying to sell solar in the state of Georgia since the 90s, which um, is more props to him because as a salesman, that's a really difficult task back in the 90s. And even two or three years ago, that was a difficult task. Uh, and James um, has, has done a lot for the um, solar in Georgia, and we really appreciate everything that he's done to help progress solar in the state.
2: Well, it's been great having you on, Herschel. Uh, how can folks find you at Radiant Solar?
0: Yeah, um, my email is Herschel Winters, it's H E R S C H E L L Winters, W I N T E R S at radiant solar.com. Um, you can also go to our website, radiant um, and find us through the link there and submit a request. Well, it's been great having
2: Herschel on the show today. If you want to find out more about solar, go to GeorgiaPower.com forward slash solar. I'm Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Have a great day, everyone.